well, joining me for our first pre-season preview, 22-23 season, are two uh, voices, faces uh, familiar to us on the FBC podcast, and that's uh, freelance journalist Gregor McGregor and uh, former player and media pundit uh, Chris Honor. Gentlemen, uh, good afternoon, good evening, whichever way you want to put it. How are you doing? Good evening, David. How are you? Yeah, good, good. And you, Gregor? Yeah, all good, all good. It's another season back again. I know it doesn't seem any time at all since we. Well, Chris and I were doing a, a end of season review, and that was what probably six weeks ago. Yeah, here we are, less than seven days to go until the start of the season. Uh, as I said before, we uh, started recording. Just break this down into certain uh, sections, and I'm going to come to you first, Gregor. City got their transfer business. They started off like a train, didn't they, with a signing of uh, Kloss re-signing, Wilson, Sykes and Naismith, more recently Bajek. But uh, I think most fans were pretty impressed with that early onrush, weren't they? Yeah, I I think it it obviously always helps to get the business done early because you can get the players in, you can get them meeting their teammates and and involved across pre-season and learning all the tactical nuances of their, their new team, etc. So what role they're going to play and, and really get them working with Nigel Pearson. And yeah, I think most people would look at Bristol City's business and even though they haven't spent a, a huge deal, I think they would recognise that they've probably done some good work there or certainly promising work on, on paper at least. And uh, yeah, I, I think the Cal Naismith signing from Luton, I, th- I think that could be one of the one of the signings of the summer. But obviously, you need to uh, weigh these up in in the longer term. So um, yeah, promising though. Yeah, early season uh, or early what well, early early uh, activity making those signings. Chris, would you concur with that view? We were leaking goals. We've been out and signed a player who was a playoff championship teams player of the season caught their manager Nathan Jones by surprise and then the league two uh, player of uh, the season in that problem uh, right wing back or right sided defensive position what do you think of that well it certainly justifies the scouting staff's efforts when you make three signings so quickly at the end of the season I you know it keeps the fans very excited as well it shows that the club have some intent and um, it was all very positive stuff wasn't it and then it's kind of dried out the last few weeks when we've not really had a, a, a marquee signing so, so to speak but we kind of knew that we knew that finances were tight and we know how the club operate they need to get players out to bring some in um but Naismith, as uh, Rebel was saying, is obviously uh, a very tidy player. He's 31. As for w- uh, Wilson, I'm really excited about seeing him. Um, he's got he's a, a very attacking defender, which is something I've been crying out for for many seasons because um, that, that used to be my position. And as for Sykes, well, he, he seems a little bit of a maestro. He's a bit of an enigma at the moment. He's got he's, he's open to several positions. Um, it, it's really tying down which one he's going to perform in, but he, he seems uh, as if he's got plenty of ability um, and he's quite exciting. So, yeah, I look forward to seeing all the three main signings, obviously, playing the new season. Yeah. Gregor, I mean, City, well, any club, we always link with players that might come here. You're closer, uh, you know, because you're, you're in the journalistic sporting scene day in, day out, Yeah. <laughs> You know, have we missed out on anybody that you and I have two names come to mind? There was Rina Mahota, the midfielder who joined the uh, supermarket sweeps team, which team, which is the best name to give Cardiff City. And then another one was uh, Rigatoni, or maybe that's a pasta dish. I'm thinking of the lad from uh, 
Wimbledon. But I mean, those two apart, you know, your jungle drums telling you so far we've missed out on anybody we would have liked. No, I, I, I don't think so. I, looking across the championship business as a whole, I don't think anyone without parachute payments has spent a great deal, which is what you always expect every year. Yeah, you're right. I was looking around the other clubs in Cardiff. You, they've done some incredible business, brought in like a whole new team. That's going to be an interesting watch. And uh, when I looked at all the players they've brought in, I'm not too sure that there's too many there that I would have wanted City to bring in themselves. Uh, yeah, the, the one with Winamoto, the Reading guy, I'm not too sure how strong that interest was, actually. But what I would say is that last season, um, Nigel Pearson did clearly indicate that he wanted to bring in a defensive midfielder. And he, he basically said, his exact words were, in fact, um, that he didn't have one at the club. So, yeah, we, we've all been expecting him to bring in a defensive midfielder this summer. That's maybe the one area that might be something to watch from here on in and it probably is tied up into what happens with other players I think he said the other day basically that that basically they need other players to go out before they bring anyone else in and and we probably might have expected someone like Hanno Masengo to have left by now uh, I'm sure you're going to come on to this but there's yeah. several players with just a year left to, to go on their deals but but yeah in terms of what they've done and who they might have missed out on I, no I don't think there is particularly anyone and um, it, yeah from my as I said before, I think on paper, you can understand where the, what they've done so far. Yeah, no, it does make sense what we've done so far. Chris, I mean, uh, you know, you read all the forums and Twitter and everything like that. Uh, you know, names that have been mentioned uh, more recently and not wholly dismissed, but probably unlikely. Uh, Steve Corker is a name that uh, came up, the defender, not the defensive midfielder. But what's your views on activity in this division as a whole? First opponents at the weekend, Hull, have been out shopping in uh, turkey land haven't they yeah well i thought you'd been speaking to my wife when you said i spent too much time on social media then um yeah listen i read all the forums and, and they're always very interesting the steve colker um link was even mentioned again last night i saw so and that looks quite prominent um and we all know we need a center half with the likes of Cundy leaving and baker possibly missing the whole season and possibly retiring which would be uh, a real shocker for him and uh, his family and um, and the club. But, you know, it's uh, it, it's interesting what Gregor was just saying about the... Uh, Nigel Pearson was praising the two lads at centre midfield over the weekend, saying that James and Williams were uh, forging this great partnership. But, you know, earlier on the season, he was definitely, or, or the, the summer season, the transfer season, he, he's been looking to fill a gap, a defensive midfielder. And I still think there is a gaping hole. I think um, with those two guys, we're not mobile enough defensively. Um, and it may depend on Masengo leaving before we bring someone in. And uh, I personally, and, and you and I, I think we've had a few conversations over the summer. I think he might just stick out his contract and see his year out and, Take you know, take the option to leave on a free at the end of the year, and we might just have to stick with Masengo and hopefully get as much game time out of him as possible. And it wouldn't be the end of the world. Um, but Bristol City, for me, are just still a little bit thin on, on squad cover. I think we probably need one more forward, one more centre and midfielder, yeah. and one more centre half. Do you see Masengo as that if he's here? And I, I, I like you thought he was going to be the one that was going to go out the door. I think Semenyo might have done had he not been injured. But does, some, does Masengo fit that defensive midfielder in the literal sense? Because I think even now we're still confused as to exactly what Hanoa is. 
I would still let him go. I would take the money from if some a big club came in for him now, I'd let him go and bring in someone that maybe had a little bit more experience who was able to sit and pass the ball. At the moment, he's caught between a rock and a hard stone. He, he doesn't get into the attacking positions and he's, he's not quite mobile enough in front of the back three or back two to be a, de- a defender that breaks up the play. He's a nice partial ball. We all know that. And he's got amazing ability. And I think he's going to be a cracking player maybe in two or three times, two or three years' time. And someone will get an absolute bargain when they end up with him. But at the moment, um, at, at, we're, we're thinking about this season, aren't we? And, uh, and I think we might get another season out of him, but I think he'll then go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so we talk about the shape of uh, the side and uh, what it looks like. Let's look at uh, pre-season. I mean, Gregor, uh, it's been fantastic you know I mean I think we've conceded one goal we beat newcomers to the Premier League Bournemouth uh, away uh, at the weekend you know the manager has given lots of minutes on the pitch to lots of players I think 28 players have been used in total I mean it's almost been the impeccable pre-season hasn't it yeah it doesn't bode well does it (laughs) (laughs) nice superstition that one isn't it (laughs) <laughs> yeah. he, basically they could have done too much more I don't think over pre-season in terms of yeah results um, uh, performances as well I, I was at the HBC the, the other week I, I think when they came from uh, uh, well when they got a win then and they came from 2-0 down didn't they with the with the youngest side against um, uh, Exeter City after they beaten yeah, Forest Green Rovers and I thought that showed a nice bit of character from the side there they didn't give up I think they've shown that they've got uh, strength in depth in certain areas because Narky Wells he scored that vital goal down at Plymouth and you, then you've got Tommy Conway knocking on the door with I, I think he's been one of the big uh, beneficiaries of, of pre-season with his he's got two goals I think in what three or four games so uh, and then signed a new that, contract as well hasn't he he had three year yeah. contract they, there you go. I think the club was looking at, at one point, at loaning him out this season, but I think they're going to not do that now. And yeah, he, he looks like he, he's one who could really possibly make a breakthrough this year. And when you obviously add that to Vyman and Semenya and Martin, you, you, you're starting three, then yeah, there's real competition and attack. But that's everything we knew already, because obviously Bristol City scored plenty of goals last season. Only six teams scored more. Three of those have been promoted. So it's, it's all about the other end of the pitch. They look more organised to me. They look fitter to me. So that bodes well. Sort of tying in with what Chris was just saying there, though, it is a squad game, isn't it? And my worry with Bristol City this season, if you're looking at them to try and make it into the top six or so, is whether they've got the strength in depth. I do like James. I do like Williams. I agree with what Chris was saying. They're maybe not the most mobile of pairings. I think they can control the ball well. Um, some teams can get amongst them probably a little bit too too easily and hamper City's play. Um, I think they do maybe need someone else in there. Um, but yeah, I, I just think if, if they could get that strength in depth and and in maybe like the last month of the transfer window, then maybe they could have really have a go. But I think they'll progress this season, but it's going to be a question of how much. How much. And talking about that, again, that defensive midfield uh, piece, can Cal Naismith not play in that role? Because he's, he's that versatile. Is, is he, you know, he's played yeah. everywhere on the pitch, hasn't he? But he gives that, he would give that height in midfield. And don't forget, he's given uh, Andy King, he's given him a contract as well. There's Gary Hours, Josh Hours, Gary Hours' son in the background, Josh, who probably will go out on loan, who's been injured. But, you know, anybody that's got to come in has got to be better than what we've got. But let me stick on the uh, preseason 
uh, with, with Chris next. Chris, pre-season, you've played the game like uh, none of uh, McGregor and I haven't. <laughs> you've played the game. It's pretty meaningless. I've watched City enough years to have a great pre-season and then when the season proper gets underway, they mean crap and then vice versa, you know? But your thoughts? Yeah, when you mentioned Gary Hours there, I was getting a little bit alarmed. <laughs> I never he was making a, a comeback. But, um, <laughs> yeah, pre-seasons are really important. I, I don't care what anyone says. It doesn't matter um, who you're playing against. You want to win those games. You know, if there was confidence in the dressing room, I think Pearson came to the club and... Uh, the dressing was at all-time low. I really do. I think he had his work cut out. There was players up to all, all sorts there. He had to weed out the, the poison in the dressing room. He's brought back the work ethic. He's, work, he's brought back a winning man mentality. Um, he's old school. Uh, and he's the, I think he's the right man for the job at the moment and, and for that moment in time at Bristol City. But, you know, you can only beat what's in front of you. And they, they've obviously played very well. They've scored goals. I think it's nine, nine in four games, two draws and all that kind of stuff. Um, and they, they've hardly conceded any goals. Goals, as uh, Gregor mentioned, that was their problem last year. And they seem to have sorted that out. But listen, if they had lost those few games against Forest Green, Exeter, Plymouth, we'd all be thinking, oh, my God, what a season in front of us. This is going to be dreary. We're going to be relegated by Christmas. Now we're walking into the season in seven days' time or five days' time thinking, oh, my gosh, we've got, we're not bad. We've actually got half a chance. And we're all mm. looking forward to it now. And uh, do you know what? There's 22 other teams who think they're going to, they can win this league this year. And I think we can obviously, we're possibly one of them with only five days to go before the season starts. Yeah, saying that, a couple of the pundits are already tipping us for uh, relegation. I saw one the other day, had us 24th and Sunderland 23rd, I think. Uh, don't you just... Don't I don't see Sunderland being 23rd. I think they're definitely going to be in the top eight, if not, uh, if not higher, to be uh, absolutely uh, honest with you. Um, Gregor, um, Jason, is it Jason? It is Jason Yule, isn't it? He's joined the uh, coaching staff. Yeah. Um, useful addition from what you've seen? Uh, I, I think it's a little bit too early to judge on that one. But what I would say is that I spoke to Jason myself about um, 18 Nigel Pearson. Um, he worked with him down at Southampton. Uh, by all accounts, he did a very good job at Charlton. Uh, they, yeah, they maybe were a short, short of a, another coach in the staff there. They obviously promoted Alex Ball. He's gone back to sort of a middle, middling kind of role between the academy and senior guys. I, yeah, I think that move does make sense and everything. And it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. As we said before, they didn't have too many problems in the on the attacking side. Mm. But but yeah, I, I think it will be useful. But as to success and everything, we'll, we'll have to judge that in the, in the longer term. Um. Right. Okay. So less than a week to go to uh, kick off. The side almost picks itself, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt in Dan Bentley's going to be in goal. Um, Chris, I want to know Gregor first. Gregor, uh, Tim Close doesn't appear to have made that right side of right side of a three position his own, and there appears to be some sort of retribute no not retribution some uh, off the naughty step whatever you want to call it for for Zach Viner I mean that's you know do you think Zach's gonna line up against Hull at the weekend uh, 
I think, yeah, I think there's a good chance. He's obviously played the last couple of games there. He's maybe been the surprise name in the in the back line there at the moment. Obviously, I, I think longer term, if he's still around the club, I think Thomas Callas is has got has got that position. His name is all over that for me. He would fit that like a glove. I think I've always thought that Bristol City would suit a three at the back system more, which we saw them sort of move to during last season. I think it's maybe a good thing this summer that they've. Um, sort of decided to to go with that for the long term. It's obviously had an influence on their recruitment because, as you said before, you've got Kane Wilson come come in and and he just really suits that right wing back role. And yeah, Callas, we we saw him play right back. Remember, in a promotion winning team, I think it was at Middlesbrough, was at Fulham, and um, he, he's obviously been up twice. He's done it at centre back as well. Um, I I just think he would suit that position brilliantly. You've got Naismith in the middle there, and then Atkinson on on the left, and yeah, closer. Can, can play a part. I, I thought in some of the earlier games, he maybe looked a, a little bit cumbersome at times. And I think that's maybe what the coaching staff have, have looked at as well. So yeah, opportunity for Zach Viner. I, I thought he might be one of the guys he might have moved on by now, but, but he hasn't done. Um, good, good for him. And um, I think Nigel Pearson is the sort of guy that you can win him round if you do it on the pitch. And there, there were some mistakes last season from Zach Viner, wasn't there? So Hopefully he's got rid of those and, and he can up his game a little bit. And if he gets the chance at Hull, he can take it. Yeah, and Jada Silva being a case in point of uh, not doing well, but playing himself back into contention. But uh, with Callas being injured, you're absolutely right. He's the obvious right-sided uh, centre-back if he's fit. But assuming we play a three on Saturday, it will be... Um, I think he'll go for the experience of close... close uh, uh, Naismith and Atkinson. Would you agree with that uh, as well, Chris? And, you know, that that's the three this Saturday. But Viner seems to have put himself back in contention despite those lapses, which were a feature of his game. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted for Zach. I mean, I, I've, I've made it clear that Zach was a sort of 13-year-old playing in my academy team at Ashton Gate uh, when I was helping out coaching with um, uh, Ali Ball there. Um, and sorry, um, with um, Ali Hines, sorry, and the two of us had a, uh, a great little team. And I, I wanted to see, I wanted him to do really well. Mm. Um, I, 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 you know, you want to see the young lads come through. It, it encourages the whole academy system. It encourages the kids who are 12 and 13 now to look, look up to guys in the first team, as I'm sure Zach did when Bobby Reed and Joe Bryan was in the team. Um, you want to see a pathway for yourself. So I'm desperate for him to do well. I was disappointed with him last year, like everyone else, because I know there's a footballer in there somewhere. And the fact that he's probably knuckled down, had a good think to himself that he's a good player, he's a decent player, he just needs to concentrate and hold his concentration a little bit longer during games, open his body up, know what's behind him. There's a few times he's been caught at the far post when the ball comes across. Um, the Swansea game springs to mind where he had a little bit of a nightmare and he never really recovered for the rest of the season after that. I'm just desperate for him to do well. I mean, I, am, I haven't managed to catch up with him for a, a chat, but I would love to see him and say, come on, you know, come on, I know you really want to do well. You're, you're a Bristol lad almost through and through. I know he's from Bath, um, but he's, he's a West Country lad. And um, yeah, he's played himself back into the side. And, and Nigel Pearson, as you said, he hasn't got a closed mind. He's always got an open mind. If, you, if you're doing the business on the training pitch, you'll get an opportunity on the, on the pitch on a Saturday. And if you keep doing your stuff, you, you can always win him back over. Yeah, no, that's good. That, that is good to, uh, to see. And I say, what is he, 24 now? Maybe 25 next birthday? He's played, 
That's an age now, though. I mean, you you just mentioned now, and it makes me feel old because it was a good 10 years ago since I've had him in my side. But, you know, that is the age where you should be making those mistakes. You should know better. You should be wiser. You, you know, you've played enough football now not to fall into those little, that make those those really drastic mistakes that he, he made last year. Maybe you, none of us ever know what's going on in the back of players' minds, but I remember him playing in the centre and midfield earlier during COVID and he was the best player on the park. Um, yeah. It was a bad season that year, but, you know, they'd give him, give him, give him his due. You know, he was, there was a, there's definitely a footballer in there. Yeah. Gregor, the, the, the wing-backs, assuming we have this five, I mean, Kane Wilson... Again, assuming he's fit after the little little knock. You hate that term, little knock, at Bristol City because in days <laughs> gone by, you'd think out for 10 days. Now it's more like 10 weeks or, in Callas's case, heading towards five months now. But, I mean, it's going to be Wilson and Jada Silva with Cameron Pring, another one with a injury of some sort, not defined. And George Tanner, though, an equal deputy on that particular position. Is that is that how you see those two positions being filled on Saturday? Uh, not not quite. I think obviously Alex Scott started on the other side, didn't he, at, at the weekend? Unless it was um, uh, unless it was somebody else. Um, but but yeah, one of those guys can can probably fill in there. I mean, Cam Pring. They said he's um, he just had a stiff knee the other week. So yeah, that's that's a bit worrying that he's not come back in. And yeah, we, we'll see with the other guys. Kane Wilson. I think he's got an ankle knock, and as you say, we'll. It's, it's a bit worrying, but they have got, we were sort of saying it before, they have got um, several uh, different guys they can they can drop in there. And the one for me is really Scott and, and where maybe he fits into this team. Because if you front three, uh, uh, Semenyo, Vyman and Martin going forwards, then and, and James and Williams are the more combative, combative guys behind them. Where, where does Alex Scott fit into all of well, this? And Yeah. <laughs> Alex He's, Scott that, for me. That's easy for me, surely. That's, he, Alex Scott is. You pick a team around him. You, but Alex Scott is okay. Nigel's. I nearly called him Pearson. Yeah, like we should say in politics, Corbyn or Sunak or something like that. Nigel, right? Team selection has been made easier by the unfortunate injury to uh, Semenyo for the very reason that Chris has said, because I've got down here looking at the build-up of the side, yeah, for this this week, right? I've got Matty James and Joe Williams in the middle, right? And I've got Scott playing behind Vyman and Martin, but I think you, Gregor, said Scott maybe at wing-back because the player that is this Mr. Versatility that's done okay is Sykes, you know, because if you play Scott at right-back, that's a bit like playing your best players to get them all on the pitch, not in their best positions, yeah? Um, you know, Scott sits in behind Vyman and Martin, in my opinion, and I think, Chris, you're going to agree with me on that, aren't you? Oh, absolutely. I think I think Scott and Semenya are the jewel in the jewels in the crown for Bristol City. Um, I, I think with without them, especially Semenya, um, we were a diff completely different proposition. You know, clubs are able, teams are able to play against us and squeeze very a lot further up the field because they're not worried about the space in behind. Whilst Semenya can attack that, so clubs can make it very very hard for us in that midfield area and squeeze the midfield when we've got uh, when we've got possession. And we we don't quite have the the passing attributes. Um, of, of a few years ago, although I heard that possession was very good on Saturday and it was moved, the ball was moving very quick, especially with wide men now 
being integrated into our play with De Silva and, and, and Wilson, hopefully, uh, to come back in. But I, I think you just keep building the team around um, the likes of the two young lads. You, you have you have the big target man, or maybe not the big man up front. You have Martin, who links the play. You have you have Vyman making his runs off him. You have you have Scott dropping deeper to get the ball if need be. Then you get the full black backs uh, flying on, and then you've got Williams. Uh, Williams and um, Matty, uh, Matty James doing their defensive duties in front of the back three and protecting them. So, yeah, all falls into place and it, it might be a blessing in disguise for Pearson not to leave out one of his main men this weekend. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so you, you were saying, uh, just then, Gregor, about, well, Scott, maybe play right wing back. If Wilson's fit, surely you play your small marquee signing, Kane Wilson, in that role, and your England under-19 midfield prospect who did his career chances of getting into the Premiership, no arm at all, with his displays with England 19, yeah? And, okay, you've seen, you've seen Sykes play on the grass, yeah? Do you, do, how do you rate him? I've, I can't comment because I've not seen him yet, but, you know, why do you rate Sykes? Yeah, I've watched several of his games in pre-season. I think he's got uh, a hand in the air to say that he was one of the the very best players in pre-season. He, he, he was excellent. I, I thought he was um, lacking in the final third in the first couple of pre-season games, and, but he kept getting the ball in good positions. And then he really stood out against Forrest Green. He was probably man of the match for me in that, in that game. He got a golden assist, but so did Martin and so did Vyman in that game as well. And, and then, yeah, I mean, the reason I say that about Scott, I didn't see a lot of the Bournemouth game, but in the Exeter game, he came on and he played down the right in, in that match. And I suppose that is, as you said, Dave, that is the big thing, isn't it? Nigel Pearson's got these options, hasn't he? If, if Kane Wilson isn't fit, and I, I, I would agree, if he is fit, you'd probably go with him because he's played there probably more than anyone else. And, and he's got that cross and he did look superb in the, in the first games of pre-season out on the right. Although it was a bit um, interesting to see him in that second lineup against Exeter rather than in the first game mm. uh, against Boris Green. So whether he, he, he just quite hasn't put his stamp on the team yet or Nigel isn't seeing enough of him in training, thinks he maybe can add an extra few percent to, to what he's offering um, yeah, in midweek or, or whatever, then, then there's that. But yeah, great options. And, and, and somehow they're going to have to get Scott in there. Yeah. Do you think you could see some people have said Joe, Joe Williams and Scott playing in a two, which would allow Sykes to come in and play that energetic role behind the uh, strikers or slightly out wide. Chris, I mean, do you see Scotty and Joe Williams having enough physicality and, and never mind Joe's, is he going to play 35 games or more this season? But does that work as a two or is it likely to get overrun? And we got overrun a hell of a lot last season, didn't we? Yeah, we did. But I, I think um, it's really important how the season starts at Bristol City. It's, 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 I think you mentioned again, there's nine games in, in August alone. Um, you know, lots of players are going to be required. You know, there's going to be injuries and little knocks and niggles. And, um, you know, perhaps... Perhaps Sykes is the impact player who comes on at half time for a, a, a tiring, um, uh, a tiring Alex Scott who's played a lot of football during the summer and, and makes a real difference. You know, they, I just think that you've got all these options and they're good options at early in the season because you've got lots of fit players. It's, it's later on in the season when you've picked up a few niggles that you haven't got these options. And I'm sure that's something that Nigel Pearson's quite enjoying having a, a, almost a fully fit squad to pick from. Mm. 
Gregor, sorry, I, what were you going to say? Can I, yeah. can I ask Chris a question? I was just going to say, because Alex Scott has obviously missed out on the trip to Austria because it was, it was weather with England under-19s. Do you think that will affect him sort of fitness-wise maybe later on down the season uh, or, or, or missing out on pre-season as a player? Does it not matter so much or does it matter? I, I, I kind of agree with you, actually, because, you know, you see all these England players coming back from international duty each, you know, every two years, whether it's the Euros or the World Cup. And I was never good enough to play at that standard, obviously. So I, would, I can't personally, <laughs> I'm not going to claim I know personally, but they do struggle for the first three, few months of the season, don't they? Just to fall back into it. They, they, they're almost suffering from an exhaustion. So that is one of my concerns about Alex Scott. They mentally become fatigued rather than physically. You feel okay in your body, but your brain's not working at that extra 10%, which separates you from, from the other players on the pitch or from your usual or, or your usual impact on the game. So it might be one for the club to have to watch, really, and Nigel Pearson to see whether he's getting the, getting the full benefits out of him. And maybe Sykes is the reason why he might start on Saturday. And surely, uh, guys, it helps that we are now allowed five substitutions in a match now, yeah? So that's going to benefit us, particularly with the wing-backs, where you can have that cover. You can say, right, give it your best for 60 minutes, and then we can replace you, and it doesn't take lower the effectiveness of the side. I do think I'm going to get very, very boring on the radio saying, here comes another impact sub. You know, when you're talking about five a game, I mean, Jesus, it's hard enough for me, for me to get to know all the players at kickoff, let alone with another five, you know, during the rest of the 90 minutes. I mean, that's 10 extra players being added. And, and I'll leave that to um, obviously Ed Hadwin and Richard Hoskin, who are far better at the commentary than I am. But, you know, it, it makes it really difficult, doesn't it? I mean, you must find that sometimes, Gregor, that you're trying to pick out a number. And you have no idea who, who made a pass and you think, oh, I'll just say, I'll chuck any old name in and that'll make if I know what I'm talking about. But listen, you know, 10 subs in a game, that's just mad, isn't it? I mean, how many, some of these games are going to be well past five o'clock by the time they finish. It's, it's a nightmare when you're a yeah, written reporter and you're in the press box, you're trying to get your report done for the game and you've got all these last minute substitutions come in. And yeah, yeah, it's only going to be more now. Just just to feed into that, what you were saying, Dave, though, I think one of the b- biggest people to benefit from that change is going to be Brian Tinian and the and, and the academy, because you, you might see a few more opportunities for, for the younger guys to come on in the dying stages of games if, 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 the, mat, if the result is already pretty much there. And we've seen a couple of guys in pre-season do well. I, I wanted to throw in the name of um, Dylan Kaji. You came on uh, at the weekend and we were talking about destructive midfielders before. And he is one guy, along with Josh Hours, I know that Chris mentioned that, that I, I think he's worth keeping an eye out for this season. He's got um, a physicality about his game that maybe some of the other young guys haven't got. Um, and I think that there might be an opportunity for him to make a mark on the senior squad. Yeah, there was a couple of other youngsters. Well, talking about defenders and we seem to have a raft of defenders towards a left-hand side in particular because there's Duncan uh, Idahan who I think is 22 who has looked good okay only saw it on telly a couple of games towards the end of uh, of last season's Idahan but then straight left of field came I get the pronunciation wrong a 17 year old a Roy who's somebody I, I, I said how old do you think he is and somebody said 23 you know and he, he was 17 years old came on as a defender at the weekend at Bournemouth, which nobody saw the whole game on TV because it wasn't streamed. But, um, you know, there is that bias on the left side now, isn't the Chris, of strength? Because I think Idahan, you know, whether he'll go out on loan or whether he'll be kept on, you know, we've, we've got no shortage of uh, players in certain positions, have we? Oh, that's absolutely brilliant, isn't it? It's lovely to see all these young lads 
uh, appearing. I just wish they had easier names to pronounce, really, because it's going to be absolutely... Well. Let's, let's hope they don't sign that bloke from Aston Villa whose name I won't even attempt to pronounce, although Dave Fev's gave me the phonetic pronunciation. Uh, I, was just, I was just clapping your performance and actually getting those last two right. I'm not even going to try to... I'm not even <laughs> going to attempt to repeat them. <laughs> oh, dear. OK. Um, a couple of... But let's, let's talk about the players that haven't left the club. And this is quite critical, really, because at the moment, Nigel's hands are tied in terms of spending money. Um, if you look at the players that are out of contract next summer, that are still here, Dan Bentley, Jay, Callas, Masengo, Chris Martin, he's going to be 34, 35 then. I don't view him as having any value next summer, probably stay on with us for another year. Uh, Antoine's got us, we got a year option on him. And then Naki Wells is out of contract as well, you know, Really, Gregor, we can't do anything until one of these goes, can we? Yeah, I, I think that's a very, very interesting situation to watch, especially at the end of um, August and the end of this transfer window, because a lot of those guys, as you say, they've got one year left on their deals. Um, I think it's it, obviously the club would probably like to keep some of those guys ideally, but we've what we've seen over the last couple of years is really the club trying to reduce down their wage bill. And you can imagine these guys are probably not going to get wage offers that match what they're on at the moment. Remember that Nathan Baker and Andy Vyman renegotiated their, their contracts, didn't they, before they signed new terms um, the summer before this one. And um, yeah, they've obviously lost more players this summer, possibly through um, what they were earning before having it, having it being a factor in that, maybe the likes of Callum O'Dowder, et cetera. Um, and yeah, I, those guys, they're probably not going to get the same offer to come from the club, if, if at all. Um, so therefore, the club might have to look at sales later on if there's offers coming in for these guys. Other clubs want them, and 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 they want those players want to go. Then uh, they might have to reluctantly consider something, and um, that could be awkward in the final weeks of the window. But what I would mm. say is that Bristol City won't be alone in that. There'll be plenty of teams. There'll be plenty of last minute shopping as we as we know in football and everything. So it, it'll be an interesting watch. I just hope the club has got, and I'm sure they will have. We'll have. Um, sort of replacements in mind if anything does happen mm. on the other hand maybe we're going to see not, not much happen at all and yeah. and, and, and which is very worrying i mean chris when famara walked out the door the famous words from our erstwhile chief exec mr ashton was we'll get the minutes on the pitch out of him but that was a 5.3 million transfer that went out the door for nothing thomas callas eight and a half million quid he cost us, right? He didn't play the last 10 games of the season when we averaged 1.5 points per game, 1.1 points per game for the 36 games that preceded it. He's not fit. Nobody, he's not even going to get minutes on the pitch to even show what is available. That, that's got alarm bells going for me with Callas, hasn't it? And like a player, all of them, are hedging their bets, aren't they? Because if they have a good season, they're out of contract, they're going to get a better deal than if they don't play particularly well. But your thoughts on this contract situation, and if any of them were to go, for me, the one that I would be worried about leaving before the end of August, of all of them that we've just mentioned, is probably Dan Bentley. Yeah, but your thoughts on the general contract situation for those players in particular? Um. Honestly, I, I don't think a lot of the Bristol City players have done amazingly well over the last couple of seasons to warrant warrant 
another club, another championship club coming in for them. You know, they are where they are. We're, we're, we're 17th in the table or 18th in the table last year. You know, there might be a few players that coming to the end of their contracts who, who, who might pick up some very hefty signing on fees to go elsewhere because their contracts are run down and good luck to them. It's a, you know, it's a very different era to the one that I, I played in. Um, but, you know, they are in a, they are in a situation where, you know, I think wages are going down, as Greg has said, you know, you might have to renegotiate a lesser contract than, than you, you are currently on. I think it's a very difficult market. I think we're going into a recession. The economy is struggling. We, we hear it over and over again. And football would be no different. And, um, you know, Bristol City are, you know, heartbroken that they, they saw Tamara Diju walk out and lose 5.2 million. And those kind of figures make my eyes water because I know how much, how much and how much hard work goes into running a business. And, and, and you know, and, and aren't we, we should all be very grateful that we have someone like Downsdown who, who was able to bankroll and put 40 million into the club each season with one check and one swipe of a pen. Uh, and we should, we should never, ever forget that. But you know the callouses of this world who haven't, who have who've hardly played the last few months and unlikely to play going into the start of the season. Um, he could leave, um, but you know that's what the scouting staff are there for. That's why the academy are there for. That's why Brian Tinian is so lauded. And hopefully we've got back up and we're ready and prepared to take the next step forward if someone has to leave. And I know Nigel Pearson's really pragmatic about things. He says if you want to leave and you want to go, there's the door. You're not part of my plans. That's fine. I can't do anything about it. You're in this side of the room. You're important to me. And you, you can, there's the door. Just off you go, because you're, you're taking up too much time for me. You're, you're distracting me from what I'm trying to achieve. I've just got to go. I've just got to go with what I have to go with, and I'll get on with it. Yeah. Gregor, um, I'm going to wrap up in a minute because I'm conscious of uh, you You guys giving me your time, which I'm, I'm grateful for, as indeed are all the listeners. Um, last season... Um, Andy Weiman had the career of his life, yeah? You said, as we all know, he took a contract at reduced terms. He'd just come back from an ACL. I don't even think Andy Weiman expected to have 22 goals scored. I think it was 10 assists, get back into the international side. I mean, you know, the goal threat for Bristol City has got to come from him in those first, I'm going to say Semenya is going to miss the first 10 games, but can you see Andy having a repeat of what was his personal golden boot season last year? Yeah, I think he can carry that on. I'm not quite sure he'll get quite as many goals. Maybe he will. Um, we've seen a few glimpses of that quality in in the close season as uh, for Austria as well as um, Bristol City. And um, I think Semenya might be back a bit quicker than, than, than that. Um, so, um, and I would expect him to find the net a bit more this season. So, yeah, and, and Chris Martin has been doing all right as well. So, yeah, I, I don't have any worries in attack. And, um, yeah, I, I think Vime will go from strength to strength. He's become such an important player. And, uh, yeah, just it, I, I just find it unbelievable that he did all that off the back of the ACL injury that you mentioned there. And, um, yeah, maybe he can pass on some words of advice to young Eamon Benaruzzi, who, of course, picked up something similar at the end of last year. And uh, hopefully he's going to come back and, and, and have yeah, a big impact as well. Yeah, Vyman was a complete, I mean, a absolute bonus last season. He's always scored goals, but the quantity and his assists. Tris? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely brilliant season. Amazing. I mean, what where we will have ended up without his goals, I never know. And it would have been quite frightening. Um even if he scores half the goals this season and Semenyo chips in with a few, 
Um, yeah, and you've got to remember that he only really emerged towards the end of the season, the last third, maybe the last um, half of the season. So hopefully he has one of those brilliant seasons that we all know he's capable of having. Feynman chips in with 10, perhaps Semenyo picks up where the baton is and, and scores another 10, 12. And then there, there's all our goals for the season that we need. and We can have a, a pretty decent season, I hope. Yeah, and Tris, uh, your captain next season, Naismith, do you think? Oh, I thought you were offering it to me then, the way you said that. Um, <laughs> I, do you know what? I don't like a goalkeeper to be... Uh, That's why I asked the question, yeah. Uh, it's something that you expect your goalkeeper to give you plenty of information, but he's not really out there in the middle of midfield and can see the whole game. Um, you know, he, he doesn't control the tempo of a game at all. Uh, I, I expect my goalkeepers to be loud talkers and to give you information because they can see, see 180 degrees of the pitch. Um, for me... Nate Smith, he's got the experience. He's 31 years of age. He sounds like a winner. He, he's come up the, the hard way. Yeah, and I can't wait to see him play, to be honest. Yeah, no, me too. And Gregor, would you concur with that? Nate Smith, because Klaus hasn't maybe started pre-season with that degree of authority and calmness that he certainly displayed when he was here on loan. Um, not necessarily. I think Kasper Schmeichel, Premier League winning goalkeeper, would disagree with, with Chris on that one. He, he was somebody that um, Nigel Pearson gave the captain armband to as well. And yeah, I, Matty James, anyone? Plays in the middle and he's he's really um, Nigel Pearson's man, isn't he? I, I'm surprised that he's not the captain. But but yeah, I, I mean, it was Bentley at the weekend, wasn't it? So I'm expecting it to be Dan Bentley. I, I wouldn't necessarily go that way either myself, but hey-ho. I'm not too sure it makes too much difference, but... Right. No, I don't. I don't, especially in football. Football's, you know, you expect to have 11 captains on the field. But, yeah, Matty James, for me, is a little bit too obvious. I think he's already the captain in the dressing room. He's, he's, he's Nigel Pearson's eyes and ears, so he doesn't have to necessarily give it to him. I think he's already there. Uh, you know, it's like a silent agreement that he's already his captain, and he gives it to someone like Bentley or Naismith or whoever it is. And... Um, they're the ones who give the team a little chat before in their little huddle before the game starts and uh, they get on with you've got okay. to, you've got to have eleven winners and that's basically um what Bristol City need next season. And and even those that players out of contract next summer, they're gonna be giving it their all because it might not be for us next year, but it's they've got their own careers to think about as well. Right, just to wrap up then, look, we said there's seven league games two more in the cup if we beat Coventry. But let's look at the league games. I'm not going to go for individual predictions, obviously, but Hull away, Sunderland home, Wigan away, uh, Luton and Cardiff at home, Blackburn away, and then it finishes on the last day of August, Huddersfield at home. That's seven games. That's sort of, right, what, slightly less than a sixth of the season. Seven games. What is a good, better, best sort of, points total you first Greg or those those seven games what okay what what what's good and less so in your I'm just trying to work it out I reckon around maybe 13 points would be decent if you could get something like 15 that would be outstanding obviously but but yeah maybe... that's two points a game Gregor yeah I well hey let's <laughs> be ambitious top two pre-season optimism yeah maybe the heat is going getting to me but yeah I, I I agree. If you can, if you can get a good start to the season, sometimes these things sort of like have a have a way of snowballing on from there a little bit. But, but yeah, they could be some tough fixtures there, though. Mm. So, what are you are you really saying? Thirteen? I mean, that's 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 in happy clappy territory to uh, <laughs> okay. coin a phrase. I mean, what's a what's a, and looking at the games, yeah, because yeah. you're up against you're up against a, you might be catching Hull at the right time because they're rebuilding Sunderland. That's not going to be easy. 
Wigan away, Luton home, Cardiff home, Blackburn away, not easy, Huddersfield at home. I think they held on to Toffolo and O'Brien, but, you know, what's be realistic, Gregor, 13. I, I, <laughs> no. I, I fancy City for those home games, though. I, I, don't, I don't see anything there worrying okay. me. Okay. Um, and I think City did pick up with it, their home form a little bit towards the end of the they season. They did. So, it's going to be much I, worse, Mike. Hey, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> picked it up from a low base. Yeah, and don't forget, we've started all this off by talking about how well pre-season has gone and everything. So hopefully they've got the momentum there carrying yeah. on through. But, right. but yeah, no, we will see. I, I can see two or three wins in that in that in those there. Maybe a couple of draws. So so what's that? We're up to eleven and eleven. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, well, all right. Think. Gregor Gregor says thirteen points. Chris. Well, I know maths wasn't my hot, hot spot when I was at school, but when you started saying 13, I was thought, I thought you said 30, and I was trying to work it out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, I mean, if you can get 30 points out of seven games, I've, just, I've certainly missed something during pre-season. Yeah. But, listen, you know, uh, gosh, you, you've just got to be, <laughs> as I said, every team before the season starts, I think they, they, they can win it. Um and as a supporter and as uh, an optimist, I think 13 is very, very possible and it'd be a great start to the season. And that would certainly put us up there and, and probably put us where we need to be to um, have a good season. Mm, OK, yeah, I'll give mine. I think I think I'll be happy with 10 or 11. Now you sit down and work out how you get to those well, 10 or 11 points. Maybe but... When I saw the fixture list came out, come out, I was... <sighs> I was terribly pessimistic initially because you see these clubs and you, you see their spending power and you forget some of them have come down, some of them have got to the playoffs, some of them have bought new players recently, some of them have just come up and they're on the crest of a wave and you think, Jesus, we're gonna, we've got a tough month. And then you think, do you know what? They're in the same boat as us. They're yeah. struggling. Their fans would be saying the same things as us. They've had a dodgy pre-season. They've had, you know, they've got injury issues. Listen, we're all in the same boat. Come on, you know, with five days to go, let's be positive. Just give me five more days of positivity. Yeah, all right. Well, I think for me, I'm still being positive saying uh, 11. And I think, you know, I did a full season prediction. I came out about 67 points and that is sort of like 10th, 12th. And I think, you know, that, that is progress. But uh, guys, look, uh, many thanks for your time on uh, Forever Bristol City podcast. Now in our third season uh over eighty-five thousand downloads fiercely independent as we are known for being but very grateful to uh, neil palmer and uh scott murray from the former players association by allowing uh, me and uh, my cohorts uh we call ourselves the four horsemen of the apocalypse to go around the hpc but uh, gregor and chris thank you very much for your time to Really, I ain't got a thing. There's a time I always feel happy, as happy as a king. When the red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along, along. There'll be no more sobbing when he starts throbbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead. Get up, get up, get out of bed. Cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red. Live, love, laugh and be happy. What if I've been blue? Now I'm walking through fields of flowers. Rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. When Richard Robbins are bubba-bubbing along.
Did Robin come ba ba bobbing along? Along? There'll be no more sobbing when he starts robbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead. Get up, get up, get out of bed. Cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red. Live, love, laugh and be happy. What if I've been blue? Now I'm walking through fields of flowers. Rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. When the red, red robin starts bob bobbing along.